Hey everyone, this is Flip Up Finance. I'm Sam Moore, and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. Today is March 28th, 2023. And today we are covering, is it time to panic in the markets and what to do about it? With that, kick the disclosure music. As always, none of this is investment advice and does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my portfolio financial advisors or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only. And things change, so we have no duty to go back or revise any of this information. With that out of the way, how are you, Fabian? I'm doing awesome so far. This we're we're going to talk about the weather again, uh, but it's, it's it feels like it's finally making a turn. This last weekend, great weather. Spent some time outside. Projects are going on, so I'm feeling really good. How about you? Um, I'm just. I'm just sad that we live in a place where nice weather is exciting. Why do we live here? We don't need to. We can live anywhere. That's fine. Bro, you have legs. You can move. (laughs) Um, Goodness. So I want to go into a a quick story because I was at the gym where all good things happen and all the best conversations take place. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm trying to do my deadlifts. And out of like the corner of like one ear... I can't not overhear this conversation of this person just talking to, and he's got like a, he's holding court, right? There's like a group of people around him and he's talking about how he, because, so they're talking about SVB. So obviously like alarm bells are going up. I'm like, okay, pay pay attention. And he starts going into how he has recently sold everything out of the market and is just waiting for things to kind of normal out so that he can like then go buy back in. And so he took his money out of the market and put it into a bank account that's going to get him 4%, but then he's going to like he'll rebuy in once that the market goes, you know, get, gets better. And so I'm thinking that I'm like, I need to text Sam immediately. I, I need to get on the phone with him because everybody that's sitting around, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like a, that's a great idea, man. They're like patting him on the back. They're like I should do the same thing. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? Who are these people? Why are they talking like that? Why are they doing this? Should I say something? Or or maybe I'm the idiot that doesn't know that this is actually what, what I should be doing. So Sam, enlighten us. Like I think this topic is very timely for what we're going to go into. So maybe give a recap on, on kind of where we are and why people are having these thoughts right now. Sure. That's a lot there. So <laughs> unpack. And that's the, that's the point of today's is episode is because there's a lot in there. It's, it's a really good topic that I deal with professionally on, um, you don't like to deal with it, but it's part of the profession. But taking a step back is how do we get here to where people are freaking out and, and selling out of the market? So on March 8th, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, uh, failed to raise capital uh, by selling more stock in the market. And participants woke up and went, oh my gosh. Uh, SVB's risk management is horrible. We need to get our money out. And then the very next day, March 9th, roughly 25% of its deposits left in one day, which is a new kind of craze where we've had a digital social media bank run because in the past deposits wouldn't have left the bank that quickly. And then immediately the next day, March 10th, Friday, 
the FDIC, which everyone is learning a lot about now, came in and uh, took over the bank. And over the weekend, people were worried about uninsured deposits. So anything 250 and below is insured by the FDIC. FDIC, anything $250,000 and up is uninsured. So a lot of people had uninsured deposits at SVP and were worried about it. And to qualm those concerns, FDIC explicitly said depositors would get 100% of their money back. And the big reason why they did that is they didn't want a contagion effect to create other bank runs going on. Because we talked about this two weeks ago, what happens when there's a kid that's sick, SVP, you look around and see who else is kind of near that kid or bank who has similar characteristics, and you want to get away from them as well. So they wanted to stop the contagion effect of a bank run um, immediately just by implicitly saying that other depositors would be um, supported. And then about a week later, some of the other bank stress is starting to hit uh, Credit Suisse. So March 19th, Credit Suisse was merged, acquired, however you want to kind of phrase it, by UBS. And that's a little bit, of, there's a ton of context in there. Credit Suisse is a is a pretty weak bank. It's been struggling for years ever since uh, 2013. And this kind of pushed it over the edge to get taken out. So you're seeing a lot of these headlines that look really scary. Uh, it's effectively why people are sitting at the gym going, wow, things are getting weird. <laughs> Isn't Credit Suisse where people put their money laundering money? A Swiss you know, bank account? So, well, and th- that was part of the big reason that they started having like some business problems is because uh, a new treaty went in and some of the secrecy laws got rolled back. So they didn't have the same type of profit margins they did once those laws got rolled back, along with a lot of other horrible mismanagement of, of the company. But used to be, not anymore. Not anymore. Sorry, Credit Suisse. <laughs> <laughs> believe so, it's pronounced Suisse. Yeah. But what, what you're seeing there is a lot of what I like to call headline risks. And when you see a bank failing in, in a matter of weeks, and then if you see other kind of buyouts, bailouts, however you want to call it, a lot of headlines going in there and you're sitting at home just going, well, should I be doing something? Because a bank failure and a bank run is definitely an emotional thing, especially when you combine it with money. Like I want my money to be safe. And you want to take action, right? So like the easy thing to do is like, I'm just going to get out of the market. And that's probably what your, your bro friend, I'm assuming because it was a guy. Yes. Bro friend. Yeah, of course. Who else is like clanging and banging and talking about the markets? Oh, that's if, my you're, job. if you're, if you're not lifting over 300 pounds on your deadlift and talking about mm-hmm. how much money you have in the bank, are you even at the gym? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much. So that's, Jigga. that's kind of. Well, how and why people are talking about it. So, I mean, is, it, is this guy crazy? Like, what what is he making a terrible decision, Sam? Well, in my professional, humble opinion, I'm going to give the numbers behind the stock market, and then I'll let you kind of make your own educational educational decision around that. And the, the big thing is whenever you're investing in the, in the stock market, I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but I pretty much guarantee that you'll lose money. It's going to happen. That's why stocks return more than bonds over time. So you got cash. That's what that, that your friend did. He went put in cash. He's going to get the 4%. Um, mm-hmm. Not guaranteed, but 4% because rates could drop. Then you've got bonds, which are safe. They pay a little bit more than 
then the savings account bonds are earning right around 5% right now. And the way uh, financial capital works is stocks should return 6 to 8% over time. But in the short term, they're a lot more volatile. So you won't get that on a year-to-year basis. But if you go back and look at the averages, the market goes down every year on average 14% of the time. So that's just on intra-year basis. The cash is going to be pretty stable, <laughs> assuming your bank doesn't blow up. Bonds are also pretty safe. 2022 being the exception where we went from low rates to higher rates that hits bond prices. But stocks are usually pretty, pretty ju- uh, jumpy, volatile, as a financial person would say. They're, they're moving up and down. And on average, it'll be 14% swings uh, throughout the year. That seems scary. Exactly. Exactly. So another way to kind of think about it is like that's on a year basis. Now, how many times does the stock market drop? in a year. And looking back, we have this in the show notes. It's three times a year on average, the stock market will drop 5%. So if you turn on MSNBC or financial media or wherever you get your financial news, hopefully it's on here. That way it's great context and is valuable and is improving your life instead of scaring you. You'll, you'll always see like, you know, stock market crash five down 5% or something like that, but that it happens three times a year. So is it really a crisis if it's happening three times a year? I would, say no in that regard it's all it's all about the marketing right yes yes how are they marketing that so and i whenever people like come to me with like emotionally charged um i i need to take action it's not the best thing to lead when someone's really emotional this works great with my fiance she's really emotional about something or mad because i'm an idiot and i'm just like i lead with facts doesn't really work very well. You have to usually speak to the emotions of the person, but that's just adding context and the data behind um, how, how stocks move around uh, in, in the short term. And th- there's another chart in here that's really great is it shows that stocks are really risky in the short term. So it has a wide variety of returns. So stocks can return 47% positive in one year, or they can be down negative 39%. So it's a huge band where bonds is a, is a lot smaller uh, band range of outcomes. And then you could do a 50-50 portfolio, which um, takes those bands and, and shrinks them even, even a little bit more. So as you add uh, bonds to stocks, you get more diversification and you get a little bit lower risk in the short term. But then you can see on the long term, if you're in stocks for the long run over 20 years, that's the best way to grow your money. That's a nice percentage there. 17%. If you're looking at the chart in the show notes, the stocks are at 17%, bonds at 12, and the 50-50 at 14. So and that's nice. the top range. Yes, top range of a 20-year rolling. That's so. not guaranteed? No. <laughs> <laughs> My job would be really easy. If I'm, I'm, out. Like, oh, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, 17% <laughs> annualized returns, this would be great. That's what Bernie Madoff did. <laughs> so your friend who's panicking the interesting thing to me is if you look out over the last two weeks, the stock market is actually positive the last two weeks. I think that would surprise people if you saw the headlines. What is the S&P 500 doing? It's chugging along fine. Now, if you went and looked at just bank stocks right now and specifically regional bank stocks, they're getting crushed, kind of like the sick kid contagion. But if you're focusing on that small subsector, yeah, there's a good reason to be scared. But if you're just looking at the overall market, you're just investing in the S&P 500 and you're driving on, there's 
you would, and you opened up your statement, you wouldn't even know some of this is going on. So he's probably looking at his accounts, maybe on a bad day where the market had a bad day or paying too much attention to the headlines in the news about how everything's kind of the world's coming to an end financially and is thinking, hey, maybe I should safeguard myself and sure. do mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And the, the big thing with that is I totally understand the impulse behind it. I mean, we're all, um, you know, our, our brains were developed from the African safari in a way. So if you, if you feel, uh, danger or you're emotionally kind of set off by, by losing money in that way, you're like, I have to act. I have to do something fight or flight instinct action. So you sell out of the market. Now the, the tough thing to do though, is you have to get back into the market eventually. And the interesting thing is that if you're out of the market for just the, the 10 best days, which happen to occur within the worst days. So if you're catching that, so the, the best days are happening around the worst days because um, volatility uh, of the stock market is usually happens around the same time. So if you miss the, the 10 best days, your return drops down from 5% annualized versus 9% if you literally did nothing. So if you're just blissfully unaware, going about your life, just have headphones on while you're deadlifting and not making changes in your portfolio, over the long run, you're really fine. If you make a change and you're just sitting in cash right now and you miss the 10 best days, so let's say things are fine, the economy is still really good, doing well, we're gonna talk about that later, but you miss the 10 best days that of the big bounce that happens around the volatile times, your return is if effectively almost cut in half. And then if you're even still in cash and you miss the 20 best days, your return is 2.5%. Uh, so more than two thirds down. So that's, that's the big thing that I think people forget is when you sell out and you're out of the market, you're missing the big bump that happens when things tend to be fine. Now, I don't know what will happen. Maybe the world will end, in which case, who cares if your portfolio is in cash? Um, but if you're staying invested for the long term, then you should, should be fine. And so, and maybe you can explain this easily, but what kind of, so, okay, it's very easy to say, okay, I'm going to sell out of the market, but what kind of unthought of consequences does that have? Like what, what kind of fees would he essentially be paying, right? Like what are the repercussions of pulling your money out to say, Hey, I'm going to wait till things get better and then buying back in. Big thing is taxes. So if you have a brokerage account that's taxable and you make this type of change, um, there's capital gains to, to look into. So that, that's always the biggest one from a, from a fee perspective. I'm not sure what vehicles he's in investment vehicles, but most, most brokerages, there's not a lot of the trading costs are de minimis now. But the big thing to me is always just looking at the capital gains that you would be paying. And almost all the time you'd be, would have been better off not doing anything because then you would have incurred a capital gain. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then uh, before we move on, he also mentioned, and this was the other part where he said, I'm going to stop contributing to my 401, like I'm going to stop making 401k contributions. Mm-hmm. So I think Why? I think the yeah I think the complete opposite would be for four hundred one k. So both of us are are in our thirties. We sh we won't be touching our four hundred one k or IRA assets for another knock on wood forty years if everything's going well. So you have forty years to be investing. 
And honestly, if the market took a big poop, which it's not doing right now, but if it did, I would actually think about doing the opposite. I would increase your contributions. So March of 2020 hit, I actually upped my 401k contributions um, just because I want to get all my money in while the market's lower. And I think stocks are such an interesting thing to me because if I went and told you, hey, Fabian, Bamba socks, they're on sale right now. Would you go buy more of them? Yes. Yeah. You're like, heck yeah. I, I love socks. I need socks. I'm going to go get some more. But if I went and told you, hey, Fabian, Bamba stocks are on sale, <laughs> people are like, I don't want any of that. It's going down further. The world's ending. Uh, I don't want it. This is an interesting kind of behavioral tick. Yeah. And so my father-in-law lost a lot of money with Kodak. So I think maybe that like people have a, a feeling of that, whether they experienced it through their family or themselves with a company that just kind of goes bankrupt and they're just held, you know, they're, they're sitting there holding the paper and it's not worth anything. You know? Oh yeah. And, and like, th- that's a great point because like, no matter the data we just talked about, your dad, right? You said your dad, right? Uh, maybe, but my father-in-law. Father-in-law. Your father-in-law is never not going to forget that. That was right. probably a monumental moment in his life. But then we talked about diversification earlier. If you're if you're in the S&P 500, you wouldn't even have known this is going on. So there's like a huge difference where people conflate investing in a single company. So if, if you had all your money in Silicon Valley Bank or had all your money um, in another regional bank right now, you would have you would have got absolutely smoked. So Silicon Valley ba- Silicon Valley Bank is is, is a zero. You you lost hundred percent of your money if you own the stock, but if you were broadly diversified, wouldn't even know. Man, I wish FDIC would come pay me back for money lost in the stock market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Never gonna happen. Nope, nope. And then the the big thing too is. Invariably, there's always going to be an event that that you want to sell out of the market for. So like this year, Silicon Valley Bank blow up and the kind of like the banking quote unquote crisis is just the first thing of this year to, to, to get out of the market. And what, what ends up happening is the market climbs what you call the wall of worry. There's always something going to be in the news that seems scary. For example, we have the debt ceiling coming up. It's going to be here in three months. And my prediction is, Whatever the dumbest scenario possible, that's probably what's going to happen. So, you know, so just get prepared. You know, it's going to be dumb. But whatever happens, you know, there's going to be a reason to get out of the market. And then whenever that crisis is averted, then we're going to get into the political kickoff um, 2024 primaries. I don't know. That's probably going to be pretty stupid, too. And then once you get into 2024, there's probably going to be a bunch of stuff we didn't even think about. It's going to be another reason to get out of the market. So this great thing here in the show notes that just shows every year the major crisis that kind of happened for you to get out and sell the market. So you've got Hurricane Katrina, you've got 2008, everything blowing up. You've got the flash crash and and 2010. You've got the taper tantrum in 2013, which we've covered before. Um, we've got the Brexit vote in 2016. You've got Fed hike in 2017. You've got the trade wars in 2018. So there's just there's always going to be a reason to get out of the market. And that's why I push back on people is, well, what are you going to see that's going to make you feel better about being invested long term, especially your 401k that you're not seeing now? And by the time you see that, the market's already moved ahead of you. It's not like 
you think you're smarter than the market. I mean, like that's, I mean, that's bold. Good for you. But like the market's already moved ahead. So like by the time things look great, it's already priced in. And, but that's at the same time, not to say that like there's not craziness going on. There, there is like some things. So for example, there's the U.S. Treasury two-year note. It had a massive movement down with all the, the banking issues going on. So it, we had what's called an eight standard deviation move in the two-year yield. So that probably put a couple of people to sleep. But an eight standard deviation move is like historically never supposed to happen on a normal distribution curve, but we don't really live in a normal distribution curve. We live in the real world where some of these events happen sometimes. Um, so that happened on the 13th where the two-year yield moved down 0.61%, or if I was a finance person, I would say 61 basis points just to so confuse people. What is a, what is a two-year yield? Oh, yeah. So the, um, the U.S. government um, issues debt at varying different maturities. So you can buy, they'll issue it at one year, they'll issue it at 30 year. And then um, the big one to kind of look at is the two year because that kind of is pricing in where the Fed funds rate will be uh, in the future. So the two year note is interesting to look at because it it drops so much. So it's like how much the market will take for that um, instrument. And it went from being 5% and now it dropped below 4%. So that's like a really big move in a, in a bond instrument. Whoa. Yeah. And then despite all that, economic growth is still predicted to be fine in the quarter. So for like everything going on, economy's still chugging along. It's almost like just like a little blip on the radar. You know, we could have titled this TLDR, economic growth expected to be 3.2% this quarter. Yeah, but it doesn't get people reading. <laughs> It just, um, it just seems with financial stuff, whenever we're covering something kind of like headliney, it always comes back to like the world is ending, but we're mm-hmm. also kind of looking pretty good or not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's definitely been my big takeaway with maturing as an investment professional is like after you, I think this has been like my fifth crisis. Or so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, because I had the taper tantrum, I had COVID, you got this, like five or six, you're just kind of like, ah, you know, these just happen every other year. And that's why the big thing is your friend at the gym didn't have a plan in place for when the market volatility happened. I think it's the big takeaway is when you look at the data, um, things are going to happen on a yearly basis. What are you going to do when they happen? What's your plan long term? What's your plan short term? And I don't think your friend had a plan. I think they're just shoot from the hip because they're like, I got to do something. Yeah. And I didn't ask any follow-up questions because I just didn't want to get involved in that conversation. Um, but I'd be, I'd be interested to find out if he was working with somebody or if he was managing all this on his own. Hmm. Yeah, me too. Because I'm just like, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to that guy for the inspiration for this episode. Anything else? Any burning questions? Uh, no, this, I mean, this, I, I had to text you immediately after this just because, like like I said, like my brain was on fire. I was like, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad we, we, we covered it. But no, yeah. no questions at the moment. Great. Well, as always, we take uh, feedback and questions 
and feel free to subscribe and share. Greatly appreciate it. And as always, appreciate your time. Bye.